But, uh, but yeah, yeah, Leitha, mate, Leitha, born and bred. So you know Horrocks, and you know Bolton and Horrocks. Oh, I mate, yeah, of course. I've spent this is where I spent all my uh, all my formative years lurking around. So yeah, like Wigan, Bolton, Preston, Manchester, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just all all over the northwest, mate. And I moved out here about six years ago now. So yeah, it's just Perfect. a job a job opportunity came up, so we just relocated out here. All right, perfect. I actually left 10 years ago, England, and I've been living in Thailand for 10 years. Sweet. So and now I live in I live in Bali. I've been in Bali for two of them. So, but I'm just back here, you know, because of this COVID thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard it, probably heard of it. I, I have heard of it, but I think to be honest, <laughs> where, where we are in Switzerland, we have got off lightly, like incredibly lightly. It was only when I I went travelling to uh, to Belgium, I realised. Yeah what other people were dealing with because here we've hardly had any of the face mask sort of stuff we only had to wear face masks if you're on a train and that's it um but yeah i got to belgium and suddenly it was like wearing like face masks everywhere and you're going through like sort of thermal checkpoints and stuff like that i was like shit yeah i totally opened my eyes to uh that other places have been a lot more hard hit than us so i've got quite lucky in that regard oh perfect you know that's good it's good to hear though um I just noticed we had a couple of jump in our video and a slight poor connection there. It's unusual from my side. I'm, I'm on the 5G network. Are you on your fastest internet connection there? or? I sh- should be, mate, yeah. Um, I mean, this is the one I normally use for my live streams and stuff like that, so it should be okay unless, like, you know, um, unless the kids have started, like, downloading huge amounts of stuff, but it should be okay. I mean, I mean, you're, you're looking pretty sort of clear to me, so... Yeah, is that all right? Yeah, I mean, well, we, we can call it and uh, just hope for the best, see how it goes. It's all we can ever uh, do, mate. It's all you can do in life, no? <laughs> all right, Rob. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read us in, mate, and, sure. uh, and then we'll get straight to it. Cool. Go for it. Okay, welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Naked Guru Experience. These are conversations on psychology, spirituality, and theogens and consciousness. Please do subscribe to our content to support the channel. Today's guest is Mr. Rob. Rob is producer and host of the YouTube channel Adeptus Psychonautica. He has been an active member of the psychedelic community for several years, taking part in various retreats across Europe and Peru. He is a reviewer of ayahuasca retreats, writer of trip reports, and commentator on all hot topics related to psychedelics. So welcome to the podcast, Rob. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Always love talking to a fellow psychonaut. <laughs> and a fellow uh, Northern English lad, too. That, that's it, mate, as we've just discovered. So yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. I, I can already feel my accents beginning to drop down back into, into my sort of like guttural uh you know house uh, <laughs> yeah like like game of thrones-esque northern tone so yeah I'll, but we'll have to make sure we'll have to take steps to try and make sure we don't go too far with it yeah i better be careful you know 10 years in asia i managed to just get rid of it in the last uh, six months so it's uh we better be careful we don't slip back <laughs> so uh lots to cover here rob uh first of all let me just say i'm a big fan of your channel oh, and so. um 
I actually came across your stuff uh, originally when you were doing uh, a little video on Leo from Actualized. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, not one of your most popular videos, but uh, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. Before we go there with it, um, but c can we? Could you just let us know about why the name Adeptus Psychonautica? What is the story behind it? You know, how did it come about? What's it all about? What you do? Yeah, sure. So there's a, a couple of bits. Uh, the actual name uh, came from because I, I I was looking just for a kind of you know something kind of a, a catchy name for the channel, but I, I knew that I wanted it to kind of represent some way. And my initial thought, and, I, and again, I don't think this necessarily plays out into truth, but this was my thought process. Um, I'd always been a fan of these kind of Latin sounding names. And I, I, was, I used to play a lot of board games as a kid where they would have sort of schools of, you know, like schools of uh, soldiers or schools of like psychic abilities and it would always be called adeptus something so you would have like the adeptus astartes the adeptus astronomica and so i, I knew that adeptus meant school of something and so basically i, I kind of i wrote i took that and it's a kind of pig latin so i rolled with it to be like the sort of the, the school of psychonautics or if you go into the latin it actually means like initiate and initiate into you know psychonautics so i like that because it, I, it gave this sound of s someone who is on that path but always learning so that's where, where i kind of I, I pulled it from and the reason i started it was th there was a couple of things one was that i was on, on a uh, uh one of my ayahuasca retreats and as it came to the sort of as we were leaving and they were sort of advising us of things to do to keep the momentum going and to stop us falling back into our own habits they said well you, you know one thing is to have a creative outlet and I'd always liked playing around with uh, doing videos and I'd always like sort of doing commentary on things. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try this. And it just kind of, and that's why I started first with these retreat reviews because that was my, what I was collecting footage of. And I thought I may as well do something with all these pictures I've taken. So I started with the retreat reviews and then it just kind of grew from there. But yeah, it's basically, it's, it's purely a hobby. Um, it's something that keeps me, keeps me busy. It's something I enjoy. And, um, and yeah, it's very rewarding to hear that people are, are sort of are connecting with it. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's the history to it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we have very similar background in that way. It's very similar for me with the Naked Guru experience. Now, um, you know, touching upon, uh, you know, how I first came about your content. What I really like about your content is very snappy. It's uh, there's a lot of current affairs stuff in there. And it's very honest and uh, open. It's very, you know, like you're not putting on any uh, act. There's no show there. Uh, I, I like it. It's very frank. And, um, and you know, one of the reasons I called this podcast The Naked Guru Experience was all about kind of stripping away the kind of guru and getting to the, to the heart of what is spirituality, which I think is the, the same heart of what are psychedelics. I think they are one and the same, mm -hmm. but I was trying to get a little bit away from the woo, which is very much Bali and into kind of reality. And I think you do a fantastic job of it uh, in, in, in the show. And, um, and so I just wondered if you could, you know, it wasn't the most popular video about Leo, Leo from Actualized, but I mean, a lot of people did like it. Uh, what, what is your kind of motivation of the channel? Is, is that part of your motivation to kind of uh, stimulate that honest conversation? And, and if, if, that, if that's so, where did that motivation come from? Yeah, I, I, I don't think there was necessarily that intention going into it. Um, it it's just something that kind of evolved. When, when you do one of these creative projects, it's, it's, a, 
it's always a constant evolution of, of, of what you're doing. So yeah, I certainly didn't, I, I didn't set out to sort of be critical of people, but as I was going down this path and, and as you kind of addressed that, I, I did want it to be honest. So like, it's very, I mean, if we dial it back to where I started with these retreat views, it's very easy to go on every retreat and just say, wow, this is the best thing ever. And wow, this shaman's the best one ever. And I'm completely loyal to them. And, and that's it. And sometimes you go on these retreats and it it's not that great. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. I would say, you know, I wanted to separate out the transcendent experience, which you may or may not have, but I, I certainly was having. And to be able to say, well, okay, this this place, it's actually not worth the money or this place really is worth the money or this place, I like this, but I thought it was a bit culty, you know, and I just wanted to sort of put that out there because it's, yeah, some people do very easily just fall into this thing of, um, I had a transcendent experience, therefore you can say nothing about this place. It's the best place ever and don't you dare say anything about this place. <laughs> and I just thought that's, that's bullshit, especially when you're spending huge amounts of money and invest in your own time and your own mental well-being in these things. I think, you know, it, if, if they can, you know, put a decent meal together or, or you know, or you've, you know, someone's been acting inappropriate, I think that needs saying somewhere. And I didn't like how a lot of the psychedelic community would, would just fluff over that, but it just because the, the transcendence experience was so great. And that carried on into things like, as I came across sort of like, you know, gurus or shaman or whatever like that, where it was like, they could say a lot, which was really good, and I could really get into. But you know, the the, the kind of the, the example I normally use is like, is you know, my my grandmother. I you know, I love my grandmother, but every so often she just say something completely racist, and you know, and sometimes you just have to say, "Whoa, Gran, you cannot do that." Yeah, and, yeah. and that's what I'm kind of trying to do with the psychedelic community. Like Leo, I thought some of Leo's videos are really good. He's, he's he articulates some really good transcendent concepts you know which i think is part of this whole thing of you cannot talk about psychedelics with not having a certain amount of fluff to it but then when you when you get that and then start saying and actually i'm going to heal all wounds or, you know i'm going to heal all human diseases just because i got high i'm like what oh, 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 oh. hold on dude <laughs> Let, let's let's pass out you know the bullshit from me and so that's kind of my point there and i tried even with that Leo video, I really tried to, you know, it, it would be easy just to sit there and say, this guy's stupid. What a dummy. Duh. What a dummy. But I really tried to sort of, you know, pass it out so that even he, if he was watching, you could see that maybe these were like valid responses. So, yeah, I'm not trying to be a, a dick with it. I'm not trying to necessarily upset him. On. I do talk, frankly. I mean, as, as we know, being from where we're from, this is just how we talk, really. We are a very blunt uh, sort of set of people in the North. So, um, yeah, and for, for some people that will resonate and some people will find it a bit abrasive. And I, that's some unfortunate. I can't, you know, I can't help that, but... I can only do what I do. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. In, in my opinion, it was quite balanced. So I did. I did think you. You presented like the body of work that that guy's put together is just unbelievable. It's it's amazing, and it's been so helpful to people. I checked out the comments. You know, some people were saying, you know, he saved my life, and and you know, a lot of this content uh, and stuff that I produce, I'm sure stuff you produce is designed that way to to be of help to people. But it also, when you put yourself out in the public as you do, I do whoever does you have to be kind of open to criticism as uh, as well and i think it's healthy to have that criticism and 
And yeah, I think you're quite brave for um, for pu putting it out there too. But I, I wanted to talk about the nerve that this actually touches, because, you know, certainly for me in my life, they have been the most powerful experiences I ever had. These transcendent experiences. I was an alcoholic, an atheist. Uh, I was on death's door before I had my first awakening experience, and and you know the mushroom taught me everything that I know how to live. Like it taught mm -hmm. me how to cook, it taught me how to take care of myself, and and so we have that kind of beautiful connection with the with the entheogen or whatever it is, the practice. And so I guess some people can say, well, if you're insulting that person, you're also insult insulting this deeper. Mm -hmm experience this transcendent experience and even myself had some kind of visceral reaction to the to the content i'm like oh but you can't say that you know everybody is god like i've seen it i've seen it for myself you know and so i just wonder how you kind of square it like how how, how do you kind of merge that together for you personally has, has there been these kind of uh, connections with the one with the source with the universe i think you get my drift yeah yeah absolutely mate and this is i i, I would I agree and I, I get why people have that kind of that experience. But again, I, I would say that that is then the kind of like the irrational thing. And I and I would I, I would argue that it, that people should separate out those things. So the way I do it is, I mean, you can watch some of my trip reports and I, I will gush just as poetically as I can in the same way that someone sort of like Leo would about the transcendent, about sort of, you know, meeting the divine about high powers and so, you know, the, the feeling of, of something ancient and ancestral. I love it. I mean, and I think that, you know, I would say I've got no idea what is going on in that space. I don't even know if I want to know what's going on in that space because I'm not sure it's something that should be categorized or labeled, but I, I'm, I, I'm as enthralled by it as I'm sure any, as, as Leo Guris or any of these people, but I think the the real value in those experiences lies here in that you have that experience and you bring it back to then implement some kind of positive change within this life that we're all having. Now, I, I'm, that can get sort of misinterpreted as being very materialist. Like what, you think this is it? You think this is this, that you are just this piece of meat? No, I don't at all. But I am this piece of meat, at least for, you know, the... This human experience I'm having, I, this this is it. And I think there could be however many dimensions, however many sort of things beyond this existence, but this is my human experience and I want it to the, be the best thing possible. So I'm going to take the transcendent and I'm going to integrate it into the material. That's I, I think that's that's how I get the benefit. If I'm just purely over in the transcendent realm, sat there dribbling, Stirring at, stirring at the wall for six months, neglecting my family, sort of not making any connections as, as we are doing now. That to me is a worthless experience. I don't care how, you know, how much you are seeing God or whatever. So, I mean, for you, do you, have you ever, ever had any experiences where you felt ungrounded or you've really gone over the edge and you've gone way too far? And you're like, shit, I've got to dial it back. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had one retreat where I was in Peru where, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was about as close to a, a nervous breakdown as it could possibly be. I mean, if that wasn't a nervous breakdown, then I do not want a nervous breakdown because that was, I was in, yeah. But if if I had had a Star Trek-esque teleporter button that could have beamed me out of there, I would have been smashing that button. I was, yeah, in just really falling apart. 
for for numerous numerous reasons with with the kind of the problems that I went there for the retreat and also then just the medicine itself just knocking me completely on my ass. But yeah, I've certainly had had those times of feeling completely destabilized. And yeah, and I, I think that the thing there, like particularly with the the, the person you, you described, sort of coming across. And again, this is this kind of comes back to the the, the thing with uh, with Leo. Is that I, I think the best we can do for those people in those situations is just to try and sort of and talk them down and try and get them, you know, to, to articulate what what is the ben, you know, what what this might mean or what what is the benefit? Because that that's the kind of the, the question I come back to when we're talking about people who start imagining they have superpowers or whatever like that, or you know, or people who very the other way is people going very much down to some kind of conspiracy rabbit hole. So my question is always. What does this actually do for you? So let's let's just say that it's that it's true. Let's let's say that you, you know, you the, the conspiracy is true, or that you do have you, you, you know telepathy or, or whatever. What has that made you, your life happier? Like, have your do you notice that the interactions with other people around you are somehow getting better? Has your human experience in, improved? Like, do my Am I a better parent? Is my relationship with my wife better? Am I relationship with my friends? Or, or, uh, or am I actually just disappearing up my own ass and becoming a bit of a kook here? And I think you have to have a bit of an honest dialogue with yourself like, shit, am I, you know, am I, like you say, am I becoming completely ungrounded? And I would say probably, you know, in most cases, the answer will be no, this has not improved your situation any. I don't think... Leo Gura is any better for making wild claims about being able to cure, you know, cure all human ailments with the power of DMT. It's it's just unnecessary. The guy's got a good fan base anyway. He's clearly, you know, he's, he's look. He says some great stuff. Even like cynics like me can admit he's, he says some great stuff. It's completely superfluous. It's, it's just not needed, and I'm sure it's not made him happy because at the point where I made that video. He looked like he was like the most miserable person on the fucking planet. So I, that's, and I, I've met similar people to what you're talking about on retreat where they've started having grandiose thoughts or, and usually the, the barrier between grandiose and paranoid is very thin. Um, so yeah, I always just try and talk them down and, you know, and just, just because I, I think that's, it's when you get to that grounded state, that's when you'll get the real benefit. And, and I've seen that play it time and time again. Yeah, I think, you know, I think one danger is, you know, in, in, this is only my opinion, of course, but I think what we are doing is realizing that we are a manifestation of the universe. We, we come to understand ourselves not as separate from it, but as part of it. And in that is the realization that you are God in not in the traditional sense, but in, in the kind of i.e. the universe or the self or whatever it is. But you, if you get stuck there and say, well, only I am and nobody else is, that's, that, that is the problem. I'm somehow special to everybody else because it's, it's not the recognition that everybody is. It's mm -hmm. all a network. Or, uh, how I experience it is we are a network, a little bit like a mycelium network, mm -hmm. one node speaking to another node over there. It's all like one giant brain in my world. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you can only ever be a node of it. And that node can't be any better or worse than any other node because it's all, all one point, one point of view in a, in a, in a circuit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, I wanted to add on this, though. I've been talking a lot recently about spiritual materialism and, and like 
how we not just with entheogens but but how sometimes the ego can take secondary levels so it can be um we can go from conversations of well i've got the new car or i've got uh, more money than you i've got the new house to new conversations well i'm more awakened than you are and mm lighter than you are in this kind of subtle interplay. Now, my my followers and subscribers will know that I've been talking about this a lot. It is topical for me. And uh, I just wanted to know your your opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I very much dislike that. And I think just to sort of tie the two points together, that is, I think, part of my problem with um, Leo's sort of narrative in, in, in that particular video, because he, he was very, you know, literally saying, there is a level of awakening that you are not aware of. You, you listen, guys, I'm telling you, you don't know it, but I know it and I can sort of get you to it. And, and yeah, and if basically, if you don't believe in me, then you're sort of, you know, you're not a truth seeker. And you, there's just this separation that, that was created, which I did not agree with at all. And I made a, a sort of a big point this in the video. And then you will get people with, with any sort of guru or, or any sort of someone who's, who's vocalizing something, you, you'll get people who will get it. So I'm sure you and I, we can start swapping sort of words and stop, start swapping and we'll probably have an, an understanding of, of each other's experience. I'm sure when you've got like, you know, 100,000 or whatever followers, like someone like Leo does. Yeah, those aren't 100,000 geniuses. I mean, that's they, they're not 100. That's just the reality of the situation. So there are some people in there who are, you know, striving for something which possibly they're, they're misunderstanding completely. And I would say possibly, and, and because Leo's language can be very direct, he's, I, I think, possibly exacerbating that. So then you do start getting these people of, you know, I mean, it, it's almost crazy to think that, like, in, in most of my circles, I am probably, like, the most, like, far-out person you, you go. But then if you put me in, you know, your average psych, psychedelic kind of circles, I look like some sort of like right wing materialist, you know, just because I'm, I'm saying stuff which doesn't necessarily just just agree with everything. And I think, yeah, this this kind of spiritual materialism of, um, you know, you, you just don't get it. You just don't um, or, you know, a, a question that that sort of, you know, I, I get asked a lot is, is people are trying to um, benchmark things off. Well, well, did you have an ego death or did you do, did you do this substance or did you do that? And it's like, does it matter? Like, is, is this what we've come down to? Like, and well, as it happens, yeah, I've had all those things. So fuck you, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's just such a petty uh, line. And I, I would, I, I don't ever contest anywhere stuff like when people saying um, I've, you know, I've seen God, I've been in communion with God. Yeah, me too. It was amazing. I would, it was a very desirable state. I want to get back there. But I'm not the, the idea of using that over somebody else as in like, I mean, first of all, I hate this stuff like I'm enlightened. I don't ever claim that. But to use that as like, well, I know and you don't is it's repugnant. And I think it flies in the face of everything that we as a psychedelic community should be about. So, yeah, that kind of, um, you know, people using it as, as a as a sort of a validator, like, well, I've had an ego death and you've not, or I've had this substance and you've not, or I'm more aligned to you. Like, oh, yeah, forget it. I'm not interested. Yeah, I think it's just something we got we got to keep our eye on. And it's something that I don't see very prevalent. I think Alan Watts did talk about it, actually. But in, in some of the greats, like Dennis McKenna, when, when you wouldn't hear him say things like this, you know, like... Mm -hmm. uh, there you go, Death. And he's coming on the podcast actually uh, next, uh, in two weeks. Cool. But, um, 
But but yeah, I, I just think we have to kind of look to what's come before, respect that and, and think about how we, we want to move uh, forward. And uh, kind of changing the topic uh, now, um, I wanted to ask you about parenting. So as a psychedelic person, I, I'm a dad and uh, you're a dad. And so how do you go about as uh, psychedelic parenting? Are, are those two things just kind of non sequiturs? Uh, no, I mean, I think they... They have. I mean, you become a parent, and then you have to decide: Am I going to put this part of my life on the shelf for the duration of this, or, 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 or am I not? In my case, it wasn't. It was a, a tougher choice because I, I turned to a lot of these things to fix issues which I thought were actually getting in the way of my parenting. So I, I had a lot of, I had quite a troubled childhood, uh, to say the least. And so I recognised that this was, yeah something I needed to address in order to sort of build better connections with, with my own children. Cause obviously, you know, the last thing you want to do is pass that kind of crap down the line. Yeah. So that was, yeah, one of the reasons I, I decided to do these, what at the time were quite drastic steps of going to the jungle and sort of, you know, taking this kind of infamous, infamous plant medicine. Um, in terms of how to balance that, um, I think I was actually very lucky just in my situation because my extended family, we, we didn't hide anything ever. Uh, we just, we told our sort of in-laws and sort of parents and stuff, we're doing this, we're going this. We showed them some documentaries of people being sick and shitting in the pants. We, we said, this is what we're doing. They thought we were nuts, but we did it and we came back and I think they could see that there was a positive effect. And so that's how we kind of validated our, what, what we were doing by, um, yeah, through, through our own actions. In terms of uh, a parenting, um, it's, yeah, it's a tricky one. We, I, I try to let the kids know as much about what's going on without compromising them. So I don't want them to have, you know, at the time when they were, say, like nine years old, I don't necessarily want them to think that the dad's having a nervous breakdown. Um, but I'd likewise, I don't want them to sort of, I, I wanted to, you know, they said like, Daddy, why, why are you going to Peru? And I said, because, it, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, Daddy's got a bit of sadness and I'm, and this is going to help me make, make me feel better. Um, so... You know, so yeah, I kind of, you know, I put it into terms and as they've got older, then they start, you know, they've learned more and more about it to know where my, my oldest, who's a teenager, now pretty much knows the ins and outs of, of, of what we're doing when we're going to doing like an ayahuasca retreat. And as, as any sort of like teenagers, she thinks it's, you know, she thinks we're absolutely stupid and it's, and it's, so we're actually getting this kind of interesting sort of rebellion against <laughs> what we're doing. So she's incredibly straight and square because she's rebelling against our hippiness, which is ideal as a parent, because that's that's the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of way you want it. Um, but yeah, it's there's it's I think I've been quite lucky in that regard. Um, we've always been a quite open family anyway. They know about my channel. They're not particularly interested in it. Um, yeah, so we just sort of I think we just get by in in the way that sort of a family does, and we just we we talk about things and, and be as open as, as we can and. Yeah, will there be some day when I'm going on retreat with my kids? Ugh, I don't know, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. <laughs> so you're getting home and uh, your daughter's saying, hey, what time is? It, what time do you call this? Is it their <laughs> parents, right? Oh, it's, oh, uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a bit of a, di a dilemma sometimes because, you know, what I think doing um, a psychedelic podcast, when you're creating a nice family environment, which is a beautiful home and it's peaceful and there are no problems, because you've been taught certain things through the use of entheogens, 
then I, I often wonder, you know, will my son one day ever even need to do any of this, you know, other than for kind of just deeper learning, uh, it won't have that kind of trauma to heal. I think trauma pushes us more towards these things and, and makes us maybe um, can benefit most from them. You know, mm -hmm. oh, that's that's the stories I hear. Anyway, I mm -hmm. have friends that do entheogens and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? We just get high and party. And, and when I said, well, I face the shadow and, and go through all of my childhood and all this stuff, they have no idea what I'm talking about. It seems to have two different effects on, on people. Has that, has that been your experience? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was 100% my experience until... So I, I started with psychedelics probably when I was in my sort of teens, mid-teens. And yeah, at that point, they were just recreational for me. And that was probably true up until my sort of early to mid-30s. And then, yeah, I started having the transcendence, which, which until that point, I had no idea was in there. Like I thought, you know, I'd heard of people having experiences like this, but yeah, I was, and I guess in hindsight now, I could see how it was there and possible, but it was never, it wasn't aiming for it. It wasn't on my radar. I was like a militant atheist. I had no time for all this spiritual bullshit. <laughs> so yeah, I was not looking for it at all. And I think it was when I, yeah, when I tried uh, DMT, I, that's when I was like, oh, wow, holy shit, this is, there is something else going on here. And I very, I sort of quickly realized that I, I could address some of the problems that I was having at that point. And the, the main one I was having was uh, just an overwhelming fear of death, which was kind of because I've, I've got epilepsy and I was, I started having a lot of seizures and yeah, I was just I was just kind of worried I was on the trajectory of being dead before I hit 40. And and that fear of death was in itself exacerbating my anxiety. So I was it was kind of becoming a, a you know a self-fulfilling prophecy. But then I had this DMT experience and that fear of death just got completely resolved within the space of about 15 minutes and I was like, "Wow, okay, now I want now I want to just, you know, live my life to the best I can live it." But yeah, I mean, I just to, to talk about you, like with your friend, the experience your friends was having, there's a balance here, I think, because certainly when I do something like ayahuasca, I am, I am trying to like say face the shadow. I'm trying to plumb the depths here. I, I see it very as much as a medicine. It's the least recreational thing you can possibly do. Like that's like, why would people want to do this recreation? I have no idea. <laughs> but I also think there is value in something like if, you know, if I take say, say uh, magic mushrooms, then there is a value in just having that awesome feeling of joy and recreational experience and sitting there with my wife and just looking at it and just laughing. And, you know, you could say that was a recreational experience, but I would say that is actually just as valid as spiritual experience. If you're in the right setting, setting and, and, you know, just to sit there and just, especially, you know, if you in the world that we live in, where you know, most of us are doing like nine to five jobs and you, you, you start feeling sort of very detached from, from yourself, even just to be, put back in your own body and reminded like, holy shit, this is actually fucking amazing. Like that's, I think just as valuable experience as anything that can happen in the, in the jungles of Peru. It's just a different thing. So I go to somewhere, like I say, I do a retreat. I recognize it is not necessarily going to be pleasant, but I know I'm probably going to come out of it feeling, feeling better and having resolved a few more demons of the long list of demons. But I also think there's intense value in, 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 what could be called recreational. Then, then again, there's, there is the people who are doing it 
purely recreational. And this is where you sort of see people doing, say, like LSD in a nightclub or something like that, which I don't think is a particularly great idea. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to do it. But I recognize there's people who do sort of do that. But I think, yeah, that's possibly where I would think people are sort of missing the mark or missing the potential or something like that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great point, and um, and me and you have had very similar uh, experiences because it was my uh, early 30s as well, late 20s, and and before that I was a complete atheist. Mm-hmm. I never knew this experience even existed, and then all of a sudden it uh, it hit me. I was like, oh shit, that's what they were all talking about. I think. <laughs> My militant atheism helped in the study of religion because mm-hmm. I used to like telling people how stupid their religion was. So I'd learned, I'd read the Bible, I'd read so I could uh, argue against them. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> kind of set a nice framework for like, oh, this is what we're talking about. So uh, I think your, your point also about using both recreational in a sacred manner. For many years, I used in a sacred manner. And just quite recently, actually, I... I um. I did a microdose that turned out not to be a microdose. Mm-hmm. I ended up just being quite a playful afternoon cooking and, uh, and and tripping, and you can. I mean, as long as it's like respectful, I think, and safe, it's um, the 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 mushroom will will play with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you say, not 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 necessarily ayahuasca on a on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So um, moving on. You recently, one of your recent podcasts was also about uh, London Real mm. and uh, and what's going on there. I just wonder if you could just highlight a little bit about what it's about and, and, and what you were pointing out there also. Yeah, it's I, there was a, a phrase which I sort of coined within that video. I, I didn't intend to sort of try and make a hashtag or anything, but it was this kind of like drive-through spirituality. And it was, th- there is... Um, you know, I don't want to sound sort of too elitist or anything here or, or too sort of like snobbing and get back into the kind of, you know, the, the spiritual materialism we talked about earlier. But the, the there is sort of people who, who think that just by doing one of these things, like I say, you go on an ayahuasca retreat um, and you drink ayahuasca and then you're done. That's it. You're, you're, you're now enlightened and awake and self-actualize. And yeah, and, and now you're sort of fighting the good fight and whatever. And I, again, I, I recognize in that there is a lot of sort of, you know, kind of bullshit slacktivism. And I think London Real has fallen right into this trap. Um, so I I think that people, you know, I, I would encourage people to sort of, you know, do the work and sort of do the introspection and try and, you know, be passionate about things. But I think you've also then got to have this kind of reality checker on, on whether what you're doing is actually useful. And I, I, I sort of had my eye on London Real for, for a, a while and just got to this point where I thought, oh man, this this guy's just becoming insufferable. And so, yeah, so I, I kind of, that's where I, where I put that, that video together. I think, I, I, I would like to think that he it, it believes he is doing something sort of, you know, right that his heart's in the right place i'm not actually convinced that's true i'd actually i'm actually more convinced that someone like david ike has got his heart in it in the right place even though i absolutely disagree with everything david ike says i think at least he's sincere brian rose i think he's coming across very opportunistic and very sort of gaming the system in terms of using the current buzzwords of freedom of speech and sort of being the victim and I do not agree at all with his content being censored. I would support, absolutely support 
his stuff not being banned. But I, you got to be. He's not an idiot. He knows that, you know, Google had the keys to the platform, and Google were very clear about what they were going to do to misinformation around COVID. Everybody, you know, this is this is not a bit of secret. And he, he, you know, got the stick and he jabbed the pitbull terrier in the bollocks, and then the pitbull terrier bit him, and then he's started screaming victim and he's cooked up all this controversy he's raised all this all this money for his digital freedom platform and yeah i cannot look at that and not be cynical and think this guy's just just milking a situation i think he's milking david ike um and i think david ike's like a willing participant but i don't think he realizes the you know the, the kind of the sliminess i think of what's going in so that was why i felt like i needed to speak out on it because brian rose he does overlap into these sort of circles that I do he does kind of position himself as this like you know London real where I think sort of London bullshit is, is actually <laughs> a more appropriate name and so yeah I just felt like I needed to say something um and I probably went a bit rantier than I than I would have done in hindsight but I mean yeah I'd, I kind of stand stand by it I think I think Brian Rose is a sort of an example of this kind of drive-through spirituality i don't think he's done the work i think that's obvious that if you watch is the documentary i reference in the it's i, I mean I'll, I'll give him credit I, I was surprised he put that documentary out there i don't know if you've seen it but it doesn't paint him in a good light at all so i do give him kudos for at least having that transparency and, and, and sort of putting it out there um and in, interestingly i actually got contacted uh, just yesterday by some people who what, and I don't want to name names. I don't want to sort of name positions. I give you, but people who worked for London Real and who now left London Real, and they left for exactly the reasons I highlighted. They said, "Yeah, the guy has lost the plot. He's become an egomaniac," and they just thought, "Fuck this." Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was kind of it was good to sort of to hear that I wasn't completely missing them out there and just being, uh, uh, you know, a bit spiteful or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's very uh, honest uh, what you're doing as well, putting that forward. I'm not sure if I would be quite brave enough to go public with that kind of opinion. But, uh, you know, with Brian Rose's story, I empathize with it, obviously, because it's very tied up with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. So I can see, like, ah, oh, there's parallels in our story. But then, uh, like you, I watched London Real for a, a long time. I subscribed. I loved the guests on it. I thought, you oh, know, this is great. It was a little bit too jazzy for me, a little bit too Wall Street, mm -hmm. um, a little bit too commercial and always trying to like to get you to go to the website and and, and sign up your email and then bombarding, you know, I just felt kind of like it was trying to grab me too much. But then, then there's a lot of personal videos from Brian being uploaded that was off the content. And it's like the camera moved away from the guests slowly over to, to, to Brian. And yeah. it's all focus on, on Brian then. And, and I can see then this kind of uh, inflation classic Jungian inflation yeah yeah uh, it's it's where the 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 ego and has been this has been assimilated by the self and just this classic blowing up of the personality these followers are following me when actually the followers were following a channel an idea a dialogue what? between people you know a little bit like what, what, what I'm trying to do here and what uh, a lot of other people are doing they're following a dialogue not necessarily a person and, and I think mm. that's 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 what what's happened here it's unfortunate as well yeah but there was, there was a lot of and I think what you said is absolutely correct and I think along with that transition to it being sort of the, the focus being more on Brian the it became a lot more a lot more of the, there was a a product factory behind it 
So it, it was constantly about these sort of courses, sign up for the London Real course and you know, sort of, you can do this. The guests became a lot more unfocused. So it wasn't just, he was, he was talking to sort of anybody and pandering to anybody. And it just seemed like he, he was kind of, it, it, kind of, I think losing a lot of his, uh, what he initially set out to do, which was, you know, kind of be a sort of a, a, almost in the similar vein to like Joe Rogan or something like this, like a guy having sort of interesting sort of conversations with people. And I, I actually think even, even the quality of conversation dropped down. It just it just became about like, get this guy on because that'll get that audience. Get this guy on because that'll have that audience. Get this guy. I can make you like me. I can give you, I'll send you a podcast. Join London Real Academy. And it was, yeah, I was just thinking it, it became very... Um, I think it became like the the corporate thing he possibly already already was, but he was always kind of railing against. And when yeah, no, you see see the guy. And I don't, I don't obviously don't want to wail on his appearance or anything, but it's it's a different. It seems like a completely different dude to the person I saw like six years ago, like with a completely different sort of a, a mission statement, really. Yeah, it's, I think it's a lesson, and um, you know, there with with David Ike as well. I've had periods where I listen to David Icke. I'm like, yeah, this guy's fucking right. Like he, he's right. These these reptiles are controlled, <laughs> and it's it is the 5G. And <laughs> if you watch it for long enough, eventually you're just like it's like a UFO documentary. Eventually mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, I mean this all makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, any rabbit hole you go down, eventually you're gonna um you're gonna listen and and, and believe it. And it was sad to see, you know, somebody like. Uh, you and me that works on this content and you put all this content together every day and the hours that you put into it to have it all just wiped out in one go from YouTube. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty harsh on him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I would again, happily support like all David Icke's stuff being, being out there. Um, and again, I think this is where, like, like I said, I can't help but feel like Brian Rose exploited that that a bit because I, I if, if I've not looked too far into it, but I believe that David Icke has actually been worse hit from this event than Brian Rose has. I think he's had like all sorts of like accounts wiped out and, and stuff like that. And again, that that's something he, he did bring on himself because he is, yeah. I don't think the guy knows when to stop. And but I, I just coming back to what you're saying about his, sort of his ideas, I can follow David Icke like sort of like eighty percent of the way. <laughs> I'm like I'm right there with you, dude. He's such a good communicator. He <laughs> tells these amazing stories that just suck you in. And it's like, yeah, the banking system's this. And, you know, the government start and sort of, you know, the, the ancients did this and and this is that. And then and you're like, okay, I'm with you. And then it just gets to, yeah. And actually the moon is a mind control device. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> right. Okay, that that is just undermined everything yeah and actually the anunnaki are sort of come in and the, and you know the, the the lizard people does this and and now the entire subject is just is just wasted and i think that's such a shame because and i'm almost like and, and i think the other thing with david like he's had so many opportunities i think to pull this back because you know he surfaces probably like you know every, every like 10 years or so and come has like a sort of a resurgence and so he's you know I remember, the, I think the last time when he sort of researched, I saw David Icke talking about ayahuasca. 
And again, this is what this would have been like, you know, seven years ago. So I was like, oh, oh David, I, ayahuasca, he was a bit far out. And, I, and he was talking about ayahuasca and he was verbalizing it beautifully. And I was like, oh, David, I'm so there with you. And then, yeah, then it went back into trans-dimensional lizard people. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that, that, that's that then. Nothing's changed. <laughs> have you, Rob, ever in any of your experiences come across any lizard people? I don't think lizard people, no. I've, I don't, I've... I'm not that, but I think, and I was I was having some some comments the other day with with somebody on there uh, with somebody who I was talking to online about sort of you know the lizard phenomenon, and it, it doesn't actually surprise me necessarily that there is something reptilian within these visions because you know we are mammals that evolved from reptiles and all of our sort of you know uh, nervous system and structures are stacked on top of each other. So that's, I think that's why when you when you have these experiences, when you have these really deep sort of psychic experiences, you do start feeling something very ancient and you do start feeling something very ancestral and you start ancestral to the point where you're even connected to the earth, you know, to, to, to the sort of the microbes in the soil or whatever. So the idea that there's something reptilian there, you know, the common phrase is it's like we have this reptile brain or that there's some reptilian archetypes. Yeah, I am completely down with that. Not a problem with it. I've never seen it myself or, or at least I didn't recognize it as, as that myself. But <laughs> to, to then, then the leap there is that, okay, and so people are actually morphing backwards and forwards between these reptilian shapes. And these are all the ones who are controlling, you know, the banking industry. And uh, yeah, okay. And, and it, again, it just sours that conversation. The, the conversation we just, chat, just kind of had about, you know, the reptilian brain and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it, it, it gets silly as we go into the world of shape-shifting, you know, not just shape-shifting, but shape-shifters who need the blood of virgins and virgin, you know, virgin children, because it's actually a paedophile ring, you know, it's a paedophile ring of vampire lizards, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know? so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would not be um, surprised to see lizard people, um, I think, I think there's all kind of archetypes and stuff within that, that, that psychedelic experience. For for you, could you describe an experience, uh, whether it's DMT, ayahuasca, that was paradigm shifting for you, where you maybe you met entities or something that that really added another layer? And, and can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think what, one of the big ones that sticks out for, for me in my sort of my early days of experimentation with with DMT. Um, so I was just in this complete otherworldly sort of reality, and. There was a lot more to it before this part I'm going to relay, but this was this was the kind of the bit that stuck with me, which just, yeah, sort of just fundamentally changed me. And I was in some kind of what I could only describe as like a sort of cosmic intergalactic womb. It was it was huge. It was just stunning colours and and sort of fractals all over the walls. And I was sort of in a fetal position, floating in in this thing and. The thing was that the place was alive, but there were also entities within the place. They were sort of surrounding me in a, in a sort of a ring. And I, I would, they were just beaming pure love into me and love like, and I knew this, this was maternal love, which was something that meant a lot to me because my mother died. She committed suicide when I was very young. So I felt this just swamping almost like a sensory overload of maternal love and i knew this was like the maternal force like this this was like the the feeling the, the thing that a a female 
sort of makes a contract with in the universe. When 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 a woman becomes pregnant, you are making a contract with the universe so that you're going to look after and care for this life form. And I just felt that agreement, that that just just such a powerful bond, just surround me. I'd never experienced it before in my life. It was something that had been lacking from my life because of life. And I was just I was crying. I was I was felt I never I felt joy like never before. And they and I was just I started trying to talk. I was, I was saying, look, I love you. I love you. And they were saying, we know, but you, you don't need to talk. We can we can read your mind. I said, I know, but I've got to say it because I, I've got to try and make the effort so that you know that I mean it. And they were just laughing and saying, it's okay. You don't, you know, it's it's fine. And I say, no, it's important that I tell you. And, you know, my wife's watching me and she's, she's saying that I was just, you know, like, again, I'm crying. I'm sort of laughing. I'm sort of trying to make noises, which really good. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, I, I, I just, I did not know an experience like that was possible within psychedelics. I, I've, I've, I've had experiences which were much trippier, which had much like deeper insights, which had much sort of, you know, much more complexity to much of real to think about. But that is just a pure experience of something which just like hits you in the face with a cricket bat, which is completely unexpected. That was it. And yeah, and I think that was one of the things where I, I sort of came from DMT and started thinking, right, I have got to know what is going on here. I need to have spend longer in this space. And that's what drove me to sort of investigate ayahuasca. I guess, uh, you know, the next the next logical question is, um, did you have any scary uh, or, or terrible experiences? I've read some trip reports quite recently, and I talked about it with Dick Kahn, author of DMT in My Occult Mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good friend, Dick. Uh, I, I, I read some trip reports about people going to the DMT realm and coming back with bruises and actually being hit and physically assaulted. Uh, have, have you you experienced anything like this or any, any kind of scary um, experiences? I mean, I've had scary experiences on ayahuasca. And again, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily unexpected. I normally go into them kind of expecting a, a rough ride because that's what you're going to deal with. On DMT, I had one experience which I wouldn't describe as scary, but I would describe as incredibly disturbing. And it only happened for a, a nanosecond, but it was it haunts me. So it, basically, I was going into the experience and I was going through the sort of the, the classic sort of chrysanthemum and... And then it sort of it hit like a something that what I'd, I'd almost call like a blue screen of death, like when your computer crashes. And and then it just went to sort of the world went wrong for a second. And a voice just said to me, and this is what happens when it goes wrong. And then for this split second felt like an eternity. And I just thought, well, am I is, is that it? Am I here for it? Like, what do I do now? And then it carried on. But that moment of like, it, it was a classic, like, shit, I've broken my brain. Like, <laughs> it was like what, there was a, a void of emptiness, like nothing, there was just nothing. There was nothing beyond nothingness, but I was there. And it was, yeah, I would, it was terrifying in hindsight because I came back and I was like, and yeah, it was one of those, it was almost like a kind of classic flashback thing. You remember it like, oh, every, you know, every time I remember it, it's like, oh, Christ. Yeah, it's like, it's, <laughs> so yeah, that was the scariest thing, I, I, again, or, or weirdest disturbing thing I'd had on, on DMT. But usually what I find with, with, with smoked DMT is that the experience is so quick that it just, it pulls you through those experiences very quickly. So you, you don't have the chance to dwell on it like you do with something like ayahuasca. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I'd say I've also experienced something very similar where maybe the dose was a little bit too much and it's blasted out into this void of nothingness. And uh, from there, though, it was like a movement back into the body. Mm-hmm. And when I got back to the body, I was like, thank God I'm here. I was hugging my own body like, woof. It's um, it, it can be it can be scary stuff, right? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a weird sort of balance between that. There's like a a point where you've not gone far enough. And that's that's can be sort of scary because then you're kind of stuck in like a, a limbo where you, you're still too much in your own head and too, too much in your own body. There's definitely a point where you've gone sort of too far. And I think it's where you're going to see that full on these ego death experiences. The, the sweet spot's somewhere in the middle, but it's such a, yeah, it, it's such a, a, a sort of a weird thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, certainly well, I, I've, I've had th- those experiences where you just, yeah, when you come back into your body, just so grateful <laughs> to, to sort of be alive. It's, that in itself can be a magical sort of thing. And so what do you think is going on? What do you think it's all about? What What are oh, we doing? Well, are we a... Traveling interdimensionally, or is it coming to us, or are we? Is it all just uh, in our heads? Um, I don't know. I, I I flip between these different things, and my sort of take on it is, I would be, I would probably happily accept any explanation, and you know, I, I say something which some people interpret as being a bit flippant, but I don't care particularly. Like, so it's like if if somebody if somebody cracked the code tomorrow and came to me and said, look, I can 100% prove that everything you experienced was just drugs. It's just drugs happening on your brain. It's like, okay, these were still the most meaningful experiences of my life. I don't care. It's like, you know, another guy pops up and says, I can 100% prove that this was aliens. Cool. It was still the most experience. I, I don't, it doesn't matter. And I think that's a, a kind of a false thing to sort of, to get too hung up on, 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 what the you know is this actually a portal that opens in my brain is you know is 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 it actually the plant spirits is it this it's like I, I, yeah all it matters is awesome I mean it's awesome and I and I'm going to use it to make a better experience for for me now so um, I would say if I had to go to put my like sort of flag in any theory I would lean more towards that this is a a psychological journey that we're taking. I think we are, what we're doing is, is this is an inward journey. These entities are sort of uh, archetypes, whether it's sort of genetic archetypes or, or psychological sort of Jungian archetypes. Um, I think that's actually an infinitely more interesting sort of story that, that we are looking because then all that awe and all that wonder is within us at any sort of time. And, and I think, you know, people's, I think sort of, shy away from that because then it's it certainly it's less fantastic and it, it almost makes it sort of a bit more mundane but i don't think it's mundane at all there is there is so much within our waking experience which we are completely unaware of completely oblivious to. we know this you know we're not we don't we're not controlling the systems that makes our own heart beat i'm not thinking about breathing so there's obviously clearly some unconscious stuff going on even if it's very basic but we, we sort of know it when we have dreams or, or even, when, even when we go in moods and we have a mood where we just, oh, what the fuck happened? Then I'm just completely lost control. So I think this inward journey is far more interesting. And and certainly when I've had these high dose experiences and I've, I've looked inwards, um, I it seems obvious to me that this is something inwards. That's why, you know, we we do do these things to heal because we're, we're looking inwards to heal. If it's just, a, if it's just an alien that appears and, and blasts me with its healing ray, then, that doesn't seem like, you know, like I've earned it, <laughs> really. <laughs> so 
that's how I see it. I, I'm, I'm leaning much more towards a kind of like the Jungian um, sort of a structure, I guess, if for, for a better term. Um, but I, I see it as an inward journey. But again, I, I will always sort of come back to think I don't particularly care. I, all, all I care about is that it's it's doing something which is beneficial to me. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. And uh, I guess for the final question for today, then, is uh, what's your plan for the channel? Where are you going with it? What 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 are you, what are your plans? Are you, are you just taking creating content as it comes, or you got, you got some kind of clear direction where you want to go? Is uh, what's your plan? Uh, no, I've written no no plan at all. I say it's it's a hobby, and I I, I sort of. I've got I've got lots of stuff in the pipeline that you know I've I've intended to sort of talk about and it and it just it keeps being supplanted by either new ideas or or I get bored of that idea and move on to something else. <laughs> I'll um yeah as as I keep having experiences so you know next time I go on retreat I'll I'll I'm sure I'll record some footage or record some diaries. Next time I have a thought which I feel passionate about I feel I've got something to say about I'll I'll do that. Um so yeah I, I just I I kind of just use it as a as a kind of a video journal, really, it's a way for me to get things out. I, I try not to get too hung up on things like, you know, trying to attract subscribers or trying to get views or anything like that, because then I, f I feel like I'd be losing some of that. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to lose myself to the channel. I, I always want the channel to be a reflection of, of me. Um, that's not always possible because you do get bogged, you know, you do get sucked into these things undoubtedly. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm trying to sort of balance, particularly as I've had like, you know, more, certainly more success with it than I ever thought I would have. I mean, I, I thought, who, who wants to listen to some foul mouth English dude, rant, you know, ranting about transcendent <laughs> experiences? But, you know, it seems like there's an audience for it. So I'm, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, I'm, tr I'm, I'm trying to make things which I think people would be interested in, but I'm also, I'm fundamentally making things which I'm interested in, which, on which I can get a a measure of satisfaction of and some of my some of my videos that are the ones that i found the most gratifying uh people people are you know these are at the bottom of my most viewed pile um but those are the ones i'm most proud of and you know i have i have little side projects where i make kind of like mirrored sort of like kaleidoscope objects and stuff like that and you know people aren't half as interested in that as they are if you know if, if i made a video about dmt or something like that but i don't want to make videos about dmt forever you know i, I want to I want to try and cover as, as as many of these things as possible. So there's no particular um, direction. It's a bit bit of a scattershot, to be honest. Uh, maybe I, sh I I have thought about should I have more of a direction and should I try and do this? But um, yeah, don't know. I'll, I'll see. I'll just see how it goes. I think that that's. that's I, do, I, I like that. I like that you don't want to lose yourself to the channel because if entheogens teaches anything, it it is it is to be wary of the, the ego, you know, and, and there's, there can be ego involved in, you're putting yourself out there publicly on the record, you know. I mean, the reason I do it is because the mushroom told me to. And the mushroom said that it was my job to kind of articulate it. And I was in silence after my initial kind of waking up moment. I, I spent three years in silence before I would <clears throat> talk publicly to anybody, even friends. But now it just seems like the natural thing to do is when you've gone through some healing, is to talk about it and try to put that forward with integrity, with authenticity, with honesty, with truth, just the best way you can describe it, whether it's liked or not. And although I, my channel is very different from yours, um, I think that's what you're doing in your way, in the way you do it. I think you're putting it 
authentically forward and saying, well, I don't care if you like it or you don't. This is this is just what I what I think. And I think that's that's why I wanted to talk to you, because I find it real honest commentary. Yeah. And I think that I think that is our, our sort of I would want to a better term duty to, to, to do stuff like that. You know, we. We, we are on this, there is a kind of a shift, I think, in the sort of global perception of these things where, you know, if you rewind 20 years, then it was all stories of you take LSD and jump off a building and die. And that's that. And I know we're at a place where, you know, people, you know, your Steve Jobs or your Sam Harris or, you know, and, and even Richard Dawkins was talking about sort of doing psychedelics, you know, today. so it's now something that we can talk about. And I think, you know, the... The rainbows and unicorn narrative is already out there. That's that's done. And the sort of the hard science of it's just drugs, that's already out there. So what's the bit that's missing, the bits where I think you know people like us can really add our voice here, is like I, you know, I am a I consider myself an average person. I'm married, two kids, nine to five job, but these things can help me, you know, and that you know, and I don't have to go completely off the rails and I don't have to, you know, you know, start, you know anointing myself with sort of sacred oils and crystals or whatever i can i you can fit these into an, a normal sort of life I, I don't like to use the phrase normal it's not not saying just that anyone else is a normal but you know what i mean i'm just like so so this is yeah that that's what i'm trying to sort of put out there and i think the more people that that can do that um especially if we can also do that and still talk about the transcendent and still sort of verbalize that then that's just the sort of that's what that is what we can do. That is what we can contribute. There's far smarter guys who can talk about the neuroscience. There's far better poets who can talk about the sort of, you know, the putting into, into language the, the sort of, yeah, the Aldous Huxley sort of doors of perception sort of stuff. And, and what I can do is be a, a dude from the north of England, just sort of <laughs> trying, to, trying to just tell my story. That, that's it, I think. I'd love to be sat on the sofa as Richard Dawkins came back from his DMT trip God, and hit yeah. the body and shit. <laughs> I well, better read those books. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to sort of like come back to what, what you said because you, you you mentioned that you're sort of a sort of militant atheist, which I certainly was. And you know, when you were talking about how you would sort of read through these scriptures and just so you could sort of argue the point, God, I'm with you. I used to do exactly the same. I used to, I used to welcome you know, like Jehovah's Witnesses into my house just so I could own them like an asshole. You know, I was just such an asshole. Um, but yeah, so I, I wasn't predisposed or preloaded to, to have this kind of spiritual experience. In fact, I, I had no intention of anything spiritual, which I think really sort of had, you know, voices the power of the experience because then, like when it happened, when it just like landed on my face, I was like, oh my God, I've, I've just had this like spirit, like, what do I do with this? How did you, how did you find that? Like what, what, what happened there with you? Oh, well, I mean, fuck. I mean, obviously it was, it, it was amazing to put everything, everything just kind of lined up for me. Well, we'd had these arguments before with different people and had these debates and, and, and made them into complete nihilistic wrecks. Um, it's I, I kind of oh, shit. I kind of regret that. I always remember this one guy when I first got to Asia ten years ago. I was in a, a minivan, and this one guy was telling me about how you know God because of duality. He basically explained the principle of yin and yang. And I remember being such a cocky bastard. <laughs> What's this guy talking about? Like, what an idiot! And then obviously with the initial awakening, I'm like, shit. That's what he was talking about. Duality, of mm -hmm. course. 
physicality only ever ex exists in duality mm -hmm. and what we're looking for exists outside of duality this exists in matter and what we're looking for exists in in mind and so yeah i mean it's it's it i i just think it's the cosmic giggle mm -hmm. i think that the universe planned you know this is only my opinion but i think the universe kind of planned it in that way in some kind of weird divine unfolding that it pushes you to this extreme of complete denial of uh, the of reality, and then you kind of brings you into it and, and then laughs at you for it. It's uh, it's like the ultimate joke. It's a bit like I guess when you actually really do die, the ultimate joke is that you never really were. Only this mm -hmm. idea of you was this conceptual framework, this name Ryan or Rob or whatever it is that was that was there. Now that's gone, and mm -hmm. but returning, just energy transforming, right? Yeah, I think what it does do, though, I mean, with that kind of the, the critical thinking that, that comes with, the, you know, the, those kind of sort of atheism years. And I, you know, I, I've not completely abandoned the kind of the atheist label because I, I, I sort of apply it. If somebody said to me, what, I, you know, put a label on your spirituality, I, I would probably say atheist. And just because I would say I, I outright reject the, the absolute truth of these man-made spiritual texts. And I, but I would describe myself as a spiritual person because I, I think it, I, there's some kind of higher power that I cannot quite name. Maybe it's me, I don't know, you know, but something. But I think that the, what you get from those kind of, you know, those years of, of you know, arguing like an arsehole or sort of, but it is, is a good foundation of critical thinking, which then you can apply to these transcendent experiences. And so then you, you, that's what stops you kind of getting completely lost in sort of transcendent fluffy land because it makes you think and analyze and not just take it at face value and not just think, oh, well, I, you know, I saw, you know, the hydrogriffin, so therefore there are hydrogriffins and I dreamt I could fly, so now I can fly. And, you know, it, it really does. I think it, it's, I, I'm glad to have had that framework. Um, also, because again, I, I was not predisposed to the spiritual experience. So now that I've had it, what a gift. What a, you know, if I'd, if I'd had that loaded into me since like, you know, I was like five years old and then, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd, been, I'd be quite as surprised or as grateful for it as, you know, it would just be like, all oh, right, yeah, the, that, that's what I was owed because of, of all my years of, of worship. <laughs> um, but yeah, when, then when you, you get it, it's... Um, I mean, first of all, you do get what this kind of this moment of like spiritual birth, which it's just it's just such an amazing moment, uh, especially to have in your sort of later years. You know, you, you think you know everything, and then you just get this kind of smack around the face. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I I'm I'm kind of I'm grateful for. I don't regret sort of. Um, I, I do. I definitely regret being a bit of an ass to some people, but I don't regret that sort of that kind of hard stance because I think it's uh, I think it served me well. It's a it's a healthy skepticism, and mm -hmm. I think we always must remain with, with that. That's a, a tool, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, they say if you've not had a spiritual awakening in the second half of your life, you wasted the first half of your life. <laughs> and so it's uh, <laughs> the first half of life is for partying and and beer and and getting going wild. Second half of life is for contemplation. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and you know, we will touch on one more thing if you have a little bit more uh, time. But I'm good for time, mate. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. This, <laughs> through my process, it's been a process for me of death and birth in one body. 
realizing I'm not who I thought I was and who mm -hmm. I thought I was was an illusion. And then I've kind of become something else and realized, again, that wasn't me too. And I think what happens to us is when we wake up to the illusion of who we thought we were, we then become something else and we hold on to something, say, Christianity or Hinduism or whatever. But that in itself is also a collective agreement. That's also a collective ego. So you become part of a new identity. And so it's that process of keep stepping away and stepping away and stepping away from everything that you're, you're, you're not to kind of come into deeper what you are. Or mm -hmm. At least that's been the experience uh, for me, whether you call that ego death or, or not. Um, but, but to remain skeptical of the secondary ego and the tertiary ego and skeptical of of all man-made creations that say this is the answer mm -hmm. is help because it's usually pointing to the answer, mm -hmm. but uh, the answer cannot be verbalized linguistic, linguistically because language is a limited framework. We're applying to an infinite universe. Yeah. And so, like we have that, that limitation. It can't be understood in language and it can't be verbalized. It, it can only be experienced directly. Yeah. And I think that there's a, a, a skeptic. It's healthy to have a skepticism in yourself as well. So, I mean, like, like say, you, you go into one of these things with be some kind of religion or some sort of guru or some sort of following. And, you know, as we said about like David Icke, there is something in there that's probably worth having. There's a nugget of truth that can lead you to, you know, discoveries and insights and stuff. But the, I think the moment we plant a flag in that one thing and say, this is it, this is the sort of way. I mean, first of all, then, then we wall ourselves off from all the other experiences. And then it starts turning into a kind of like a zealotry and I think starts collapsing in, in on itself. So you've got to be skeptical of, of these things. You've also got to be skeptical of yourself so that you can sort of, you know, keep developing. And I think, you know, that's, you know, what we are is a permanent uh, work in progress. Um, and, you know, I... That this is why one of the reasons I, I shy away from people who, who, who say, you know, like I've I've got the answer. I've got th this is it. If you do this, then you will you will hit some sort of moment where you just put your feet up for the rest of your life and that done. And I just think that's complete bullshit. I think this is going to be the way the way things are going to be until we die. And I'm and I don't even think that's a bad thing. I think I I am enjoying this progression and I recognise the hardship within the progression. And I, the, the analogy I've used here a couple of times is that it's it's kind of like the idea that, you know, you're going to turn 60 and you're going to spend your life savings on a boat and then you're just going to sort of put your feet up and you're going to sail on the ocean and it's going to be all happiness. I'm like, no, the boat's you're going to have to be pulling ropes to pull the sail. The boat's going to need painting. You know, that you might think the boat is, is your like is your transcendence or your happiness, but it's just more work. It's. And yeah, and, and you do that so that you can have your moments on the sea where it's just an amazing sunny day and, and you're coasting along and it's awesome. But the idea that the work stops and you put your feet up and says, that's it, I'm done, self-actualized, self-actualized at 40, bring on the next 50 years. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, that's nonsense. And I, I don't and I don't even want that to be true. I, I sort of I think the journey is important and I you know, I think the speed bumps are important. I think the sort of, you know. Even the times when it's sort of hard, when there's sort of things like 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 grief and heartbreak, I think they're just as as, as important. It's all part of this human experience. And the sort of the one I, you know, one of the sort of the typical transcendent sort of concepts is that, you know, we are we are the universe trying to understand itself. You know, we we are placed in matter so that we can so that the trend transcendent can understand matter. Okay then. Well, well, then do your job. Your job is to be matter. <laughs> like, don't you know? It, it's we access to transcendent 
you know, to get from it what you can. But your job is to have the best human experience, even if even with all its ugliness and all its sort of, you know, like I say, heartbreak, grief. It's all part of it. There's beauty in everything. You know, there's, there's beauty in when you broke up with your teenage girlfriends. You know, there's I recognize, you know, the beauty in that how much I miss my mother who's gone. You know, there is a, because that's that's the beauty in, in, in having that relationship to, to sort of miss. And so, yeah, I feel that this is what we're going to, we've got to keep moving through this journey and just get the best from it. I think what you say is very important, this kind of idea of being a continuous uh, thing. Some people would treat transcendence as a noun, where I think it is a verb. Mm. Uh, I think it's all a verb. I don't think there are nouns. I think everything is a, is a, is a verb. Matter itself is a verb because uh, everything is in flux. Everything is in flow. Buddha's principle of anika, everything is moving. Now, just two days ago, the mushroom said to me, don't you see, Ryan, enlightenment is simply the continuous process of realizing how stupid you were last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Man. Yeah, I know. Brilliant, right? I laughed when uh, it's, I, I wish I'd, I'd made it. It was actually just kind of transferred to me. And it was one of those moments where just laughing, this continuous process of realizing how stupid you were last week. Mm -hmm. And so far, I found that to be 100% accurate. As the more I live, the more I realize my ignorance of last week, me, mm -hmm. that, that, that thought I got it, but didn't quite get it. <clears throat> but it doesn't stop me wanting to get it or, or pursuing it or trying to articulate it, verbalize it um, and discuss it in as many colors and, and flavors as possible. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I think that, that's and I think that is, you know, part of part of the joy is like. It's, you know, you can sort of imagine like, you know, like an artist, you're trying to paint the perfect picture. You're never going to paint the perfect picture. You know, I'm, I'm never going to make the perfect video. You know, I'm probably, you know, I'm, I'm probably never going to have like, you know, the best sex that's humanly possible. You know, that's like, it doesn't mean that any, anything else is not worthwhile. These are all, you know, like super worthwhile things. And yeah, and I think we just got to recognize that. And, and this is what kind of comes back to this, the spiritual materialism thing, I think. That we talked about earlier like anyone who thinks that there is a one and done is i i, I feel sort of pity for that person because you, you you're missing out on on the sort of the potential of, of what's to come and one of the one of the ayahuasca retreats i was on this this was one of the another one of those moments where it completely sort of changed my perception this was without even drinking the medicine there were guys on on this retreat in the 70s and i was like oh right okay so like people are still pursuing this stuff like into and it totally changed like my viewpoint of, of what i would be doing in my 70s i like I, I was again i was sort of i had that mentality like, right I'll, I'll get this psychedelic thing sorted by the time i'm like say 50 and then i'll put my feet up and just be like yeah transcendent as, as fuck and no it's it's, it's it just keeps on trucking <laughs> there's always work to do right there is mate yeah and, and, I'm, and I'm glad for it I think it was Terence McKenna that said uh, nobody is so enlightened that they don't have to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I guess it will be going. Maybe we'll have a, a podcast at age uh, 94 and, and, check <laughs> and see if we've got any further into the problem. Maybe, yeah, some sort of like VR, yeah, VR alternate reality sort of thing. Who knows what's possible in, uh, <laughs> in that, that time? At, at this rate, it might be on black and white monitors in the apocalypse. Who knows? Could be, mate, yeah. That's the way things are going. <laughs> Yeah. All right, my mate. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, I think we covered a lot of ground here. So uh, if people want to find out more about you, do you have a website or is it just your YouTube? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, 
just yeah, go on YouTube, look for Adeptus Psychonautica. I do have a few other sort of resources. I've got a subreddit uh, where people can go and like, you know, put in ideas for me, think, things for me to cover. But I'd say my main outlet, outlet is YouTube. So yeah, just Google uh, Adeptus, Psychonautica, Adeptus Psychonautica or stick it in the YouTube search bar and that, that's me. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Rob. It's been a blast, mate. I loved it. Yeah. Well, keep in touch, my friend. Yeah, let's do this again soon, mate. All right. Catch you later, mate. Cheers, Cheers. Bye. Oh, and Rob. Yeah, mate. Uh, I will. I will cut there. But uh, just just checking in. Would you think we covered enough enough ground there? I think so, mate. I think it was. It was. It was. It was, it was with with the kind of chats like this, I always think the the best thing is just like, did it flow? And I felt, you know, I felt I've I've really enjoyed this as a chat. So I'd love to do it again sometime, mate. And uh, yeah, yeah, like it's just, you know, I think this is the kind of the fulfillment of of the kind of promise of technology, just to be able to connect with somebody hundreds of miles away, have a chat. I feel like my evening's better for it. <laughs> yeah, no, it is good, isn't it? I mean, that was one of the reasons I started the podcast too, is because I just couldn't find people to talk to about such things, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, there was none in my close circle. That, and like you said, you know your family that are just not interested. That's, that's how it is. And, and that's fine. That's it. You, when you take certain journeys in your life, you're going to have some kind of social isolation. And it's kind of your job then to build the network. And uh, it's, that network is building now. It's uh, quite, quite large. So yeah, it is good that we can utilize the technology to have these kind of conversations. Yeah, it's been what I was thinking the other day, like it was a, something I was going to do for, for a video because you, you see like people like, well, you know, they watch Star Wars or watch The Matrix and everyone who watches The Matrix is like, take the red pill, take the red pill, you know, and completely identifies with Neo going on the scene. And then, yeah, most people around you, like when you start talking about these things, they're like, you've, you've lost lost your shit, man. <laughs> you know, nobody would actually take, very few people take the red pill in, in real life. And that's, again, that's fine. It's not it's not for, for everybody, but it's, it, it does make it hard then to find people you can sort of really articulate with. Because when you have these things, you, you really do want to wax lyrical about it, you know, and sort of get into the sort of like the, you know, like we we're just talking about, like the, the, you know, the womb of love with the transcendent entities and all this. Um, but yeah, mate, so it's 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 good to have this opportunity to talk. I just did a step down, step by step breakdown of the Matrix as a as a metaphor for an entheogenic awakening. I don't for know if sure, yeah. Well, I already did it on the channel. Oh, just I'll check it out, mate. Every little scene. Uh, and the key one there is when the guy wants to get plugged back in. I've mm -hmm. had intimations of wanting to go back in, you know, like. Well, this, this comes back to what, what you were what you saying before when you we, we talk about like being in your like twenties and you you saw cocksure and you saw yeah. sort of you saw securing thing and then you have this kind of you know this this crisis of spirituality and it is a crisis of spirituality you know I had, I was reading a so it was on some guy who was I can't remember his name but he's, he wrote some book uh, related to Carl Jung and he he referred to it as the howl like it was um like yeah just these moments of like what the fuck. Like, what do I do with this? And me and my wife have often said, like, would you go back? Like, would you? And yeah, there's, there's the, the answer is always, I, I wouldn't, but I do miss it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are times and, I, and uh, it, it is like Cypher, I think. He's the guy that wants yeah, yeah, to it is, yeah. uh, from The Matrix, the film The Matrix. And it's... Um, it's that feeling of, God, when you were asleep, I can understand the dynamics of the universe, why it sets the things up the way it is, because in, in your ignorance is bliss kind of thing, mm -hmm. you could just do what the hell you want, like and drink and, and smoke. And, and I don't know, there's just something kind of fruitful there. Uh, whereas when you get out, you're just some kind of wearing your tatty clothes out in a spaceship somewhere being hunted. It's um, it, and, and you're kind of disconnected with the, the kind of collective 
what I call the collective hallucination. But there's fun, there's fun both ways. That certainly in the early days, I really did want to go back. In the early days, I was like, I much prefer being old me. I had a jazz lounge in Thailand and a saxophone player playing on the stage every night. I much prefer old me. But these days, growing into it, going with the flow, going into your later years, it's nice. And being a dad, of course. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that there's a bit of it that, yeah, it's like you, you kind of miss that that surety of yourself. And I think you know it's part of what we're all searching for. We're all searching for like these kind of answers and, and whatever. And when you when you're sort of you know in your twenties or whatever, you're sort of young and dumb, and you feel you just feel like you've got everything nailed. And but it's to, to have that shaken up is in itself like and again it, it comes with its own sort of downsides. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just part of that journey. I look back on my twenties when I was, like I said, I was just an absolute dick, and I would not change it for the world. I loved it. It's like, but I'm also sort of loving this experience of like having my ass kicked, and not just having my ass kicked by psychic, like having my ass kicked by by being a parent and um, have, having my, you know, being challenged in sort of by myself in facing my own demons. So yeah, I, I sort of, I, th- I think it's. I, it's good to have had that moment in the Matrix, but it's good to come out of the Matrix. Yeah, all part of the story, huh? Yeah. So, all right, then, mate. Well, we'll keep in touch anyway. Do you have Facebook or? I do have Facebook. I don't tend to use it too much. Um, yeah. I've I've got uh, Instagram. I'm sort of sort of trying to use it like a Facebook replacement because Facebook I just find a little bit toxic at the moment. It's, it stresses me out whenever I use it. Um, oh. But yeah, I've got, I've got a Facebook page. So if you can, if you just look on Adaptive Psychonautica, I'm there now. Yeah, I've got, I've got me on personal Facebook page. You can see it there. Yeah, sweet. All right, mate. Well, you take care. And we'll see you, dude. Soon. Cool. Thanks, Cheers, bro. Ryan. Bye, Cheers, mate. mate.